Are you ready to take your intermittent fasting lifestyle to the next level? There's nothing better than community to help with that. In the Delay Don't Deny community, we all embrace the clean fast, and there's just the right support for you as you live your intermittent fasting lifestyle. You can connect directly with me in the Ask Jen group, and I'll answer all of your questions personally. If you're new to intermittent fasting or recommitting to the intermittent fasting lifestyle, join the 28-Day Fast Start group. After your fast start, join us for support in the first-year group. Need tips for long-term maintenance? We have a place for that. There are many more useful spaces beyond these, and you can interact in as many as you like. Visit jenstevens.com community to join us. An annual membership costs just over a dollar a week when you do the math. If you aren't ready to fully commit for a year, join for a month, and you can cancel at any time. If you know you'll want to stay forever, we also have a lifetime membership option available. IF is free. You don't need to join our community to fast. But if you're looking for support from a community of like-minded intermittent fasters, we're here for you at jenstevens.com community. That's jenstevens.com community. Achieving my long-term goals is more about creating healthy habits and less about quick fixes. And that's why I love both intermittent fasting and daily harvest. Tim Spector, a gut health expert and founder of Zoe, and Dr. B, gastroenterologist and author of Fiber Fueled, recommend that you aim for at least 30 unique plant foods per week. Daily Harvest helps make it easy. One of my favorite options is the sweet potato and wild rice hash harvest bowl. With Daily Harvest, I'm getting tons of plant-based options built on organic fruits and vegetables that are easy to prep and free of weird ingredients such as fillers, seed oils, and added sugars. Create healthy habits that last with Daily Harvest. For a limited time only, go to dailyharvest.com ifstories to get $30 off your first box plus free shipping. That's dailyharvest.com ifstories for $30 off your first box and free shipping. Daily harvest.com slash is stories. Welcome to Intermittent Fasting Stories. I'm your host, Jen Stevens, author of the New York Times bestseller, Fast Feast Repeat, as well as the book that started it all, Delay Don't Deny. I lost over 80 pounds thanks to intermittent fasting after learning how to delay my eating rather than denying myself the delicious foods I want to eat. Now, Who's ready to hear an inspirational intermittent fasting story? That's why we're here. So let's get excited to talk to today's guest. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 173 of Intermittent Fasting Stories. Today, I'm here with Don Brown. Don lives in Park City, Utah, and he is not just an everyday intermittent faster, although he does live an intermittent fasting lifestyle, but he is the founder and CEO of Lifeomic. And so those of you that are familiar with the Life Fasting app, which is probably most of the audience out there, he is responsible for that. But beyond that, he also runs a cloud-based platform called Precision Health Cloud that aggregates all sorts of health information of all types, including like cancer management, that sort of thing. So you are just right there in the tech and the health world. (laughs) And we're glad to have you today. Thank you. Well, I like to start by asking my guests, and I'm going to ask you the very same thing. 
what brought you to intermittent fasting, and when was that? Well, oddly enough, I went back to grad school at the fairly advanced age of 60. Wow. Enrolled in a uh, biotech program at Johns Hopkins. I'd earned an MD many years ago, but went into the uh, computer software industry. I'd gotten a graduate degree in computer science, started software companies that unfortunately didn't have anything to do with healthcare. But I had maintained a strong interest through the years, and so I en- enrolled in, I think, 2010 in a master's degree in biotechnology at Johns Hopkins. My kids thought I was nuts. Uh, <laughs> you know, I was double the age of the next oldest person in every class. But I had a blast. I, I had a chance to go back through biochemistry, molecular biology, cell biology, and then on into more advanced topics like cancer, stem cells, bioinformatics, and many others. And it just rekindled my passion. We're just at a time when the amount of knowledge that we're gaining is incredible. It's mind-boggling to me what's been learned just since I graduated from medical school in 1985, which for me doesn't seem all that long ago. Wow. But uh, knowledge of the immune system's role in cancer, for example, wasn't even suspected. And now we know that we're all developing cancers every day, but our immune system is able to eliminate most of those. So anyways, I enrolled in this program, had a blast going back through, you know, and I had heard like many people about David Sinclair's work back in the 1990s, where he studied yeast and was just trying to understand aging. First of all, figure out, do yeast, single cell yeast, do they get older? Do they age? And it turns out they do. And he identified a class of molecules called the sirtuins. They became popularized as the red wine molecules. Uh, They are found in the shells of of certain plants or the the coverings of uh, certain peels of of certain plants. I just read a book about sirtuins, actually, (laughs) this week. That's a fascinating subject in and of its own. So there was this evidence, and it kind of jived with some really weird research that had been carried out uh, back in the 1920s, I think. I don't recall the name of the researcher, but what he did was he actually starved animals without taking them into overt malnutrition. In essence, he gave them the minimal amount of food that they needed to survive. Like really calorie restriction, Exactly. This was early calorie restriction. It sounds like you know what he found was they lived longer. Right. And not only did they live longer, they lived more healthily. They didn't get a lot of the diseases that you typically see in older animals. And so over the years, that experiment was reproduced kind of up the evolutionary ladder with flies and mice and eventually uh, chimpanzees. Famously, there was an article in the New York Times around 2010, where they published the pictures of two rhesus monkeys, the equivalent, I think they were 28 years old, equivalent of 80 human years. One had been maintained on a minimal diet. The other had been allowed to eat frequently. This is throughout their lives. The differences were staggering. I mean, it was obvious. One looked like a young monkey, one looked like an old monkey. So there's actually a society of people who try to exist permanently on 1,200 calories a day, the caloric restriction or CR society, I think is what they're called. 
And early indications are they're very healthy. They don't get disease, but they look like crap. <laughs> and I mean, it's hard. I read an article about them. They like count out like two almonds or something. Ex- exactly. <laughs> now it's time for my snack. I get two almonds. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, I thought how fascinating it is, you know, that caloric restriction can help you live longer and avoid disease. But how? Why? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) What agony. (laughs) If you tell me that I can live a couple years longer if I give up beer, pizza, and fried chicken, I'm going to say no. I I think I'll just accept a couple years less life and enjoy myself. And I think that's the way most people feel. Right. So, so this is a long prelude. Oh, well, we have all sorts of times. So I'm fascinated by, I, you know, all that, the calorie restriction, the chimpanzees. I've read all about that, and it's fascinating to me. So I love it. It, it is. And so during my studies at Johns Hopkins, I don't even remember what class I was taking, you know, looking for research papers. And I came across one by a professor at University of Southern California, a guy named Walter Longo. I knew that's what you were going to say. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Longo had a series of papers, actually, that suggested that you could get the same benefits, maybe even more, by not permanently restricting calories, but rather by intermittently doing so. And so, hence, intermittent fasting. So I went down the rabbit hole. I probably read a hundred papers by Mark Madsen. I was waiting for you to say that. Since you were at Johns Hopkins, I was like, when is Mark Madsen coming yes, in? Yes, yeah. I mean, he's he's, uh, he's one like of my, one of my like. I've got a, a man crush on Mark Madsen for sure. Great guy. And, you know, Did you meet him at, at Johns Hopkins? No, no, okay. but it was cool. I, I was able to set up a so. A couple of years ago, I was doing a project with the IU School of Medicine, and part of it was using our uh, mobile app, which features intermittent fasting, and there was a lot of trepidation. There was a, a lot of like, isn't that some crazy fad, and won't that lead to anorexia and, you know, other eating disorders, and, you know, they just thought it's voodoo that this Don Brown character is uh, bringing into <laughs> our uh, institution, and so I knew I, w- I didn't have any credibility as a guy who had left and gone into the software industry, so I got in touch with Mark and asked if he would participate in a little Zoom session, you know, with various professors at the School of Medicine, and he was gracious enough to do so, and, you know, went through the evidence, and I think really impressed them when he disclosed that he was going to soon be publishing a paper in the New York, a New England Journal of Medicine, which for doctors is... That's know, it. That's, that's the gold standard right is. there. If it appears there, they can believe it. That was the best article. It came out December... Was it December 25th of 2019? Something like that. Yeah, I remember it was about end of 2019. And so that, that was a big help that certainly boosted the credibility of the field. Uh, you know, there's still lots of controversy about lengths of fast. And, you know, we've talked about some of that stuff. But overall, I think the concept is really, really it has taken off in the meantime. So for me, anyways, I, I read that paper and The thing that excited me was, you know, we've all heard about diet trends, you know, do this, don't do that. And immediately you want to know, well, what's the evidence? How does that work? If eggs are bad for me, explain to me. 
Exactly, the mechanism. And right. that's cool. Then if I really believe that mechanism, then I'll, I'll avoid eggs. If broccoli is good for me, cool. But I don't especially like broccoli. But if you explain to me at a, a biochemical level how that broccoli is beneficial, I'm much more likely, now I believe, now, even though it may not be my favorite, now I know that this isn't just some wise tale or popular. It wasn't just your grandma trying to get you to eat <laughs> yeah, your <laughs> Exactly. So the, the exciting thing about intermittent fasting was there was also of research from Madsen, Longo, Judy Campisi, Vigo, Kramer, many researchers in the U.S. And, and around the world that elucidated the specific molecular pathways. What's going on? And so we can trace it. We can trace it right through the cell. And the, the bottom line is that it really probably shouldn't come as any surprise, but early cells developed a stress detection mechanism, right? They right. needed to be able to, to detect when times were bad, uh, when things were hard, there wasn't much food around. And so when that stress detection sensor goes off, they take a number of protective measures. You mm -hmm. know, they start creating more antioxidants. They start more cleanup processes like autophagy. Right. They realize, okay, it's not happy days anymore. That pile of proteins that I swept uh, under the rug yesterday, let's go get that back out and break that down and use it. That's all we got. We might as That's well make we the got. best of it. Yeah. And we don't know <laughs> it's our this... upcycling. That's what I like to think of it as upcycling, right? We're reusing it. We all face stress in our daily lives. What if the answer to a better stress response is in one key nutrient? I'm talking about magnesium, and specifically, Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. This one-of-a-kind product is designed to reverse low levels of magnesium, which could have a positive effect on our stress response. But don't take my word for it. Here's a quote from a 2020 issue of the scientific journal Nutrients. Results suggest that stress could increase magnesium loss, causing a deficiency. And, in turn, magnesium deficiency could enhance the body's susceptibility to stress, resulting in a magnesium and stress vicious circle. I only recommend Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. It's the only organic full-spectrum magnesium supplement that includes seven unique forms of magnesium for stress resilience and better sleep. Simply go to bioptimizers.com slash ifstories promo code IFSTORIES10 to get your magnesium breakthrough and find out this month's gift with purchase. That's bioptimizers.com slash IFSTORIES, promo code IFSTORIES10. If you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you know what a fan I am of Dr. Tim Spector and the work he's doing with Zoe. I was first introduced to his work in 2015, and I've been following his research ever since. What I love most about the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast is that they have weekly interviews with world-leading experts who explain how their latest research can benefit your health. Recently, I was thrilled to finally meet him face-to-face -face as we recorded an episode for the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast, and this episode aired on on April 11th. We had a chance to talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study, and I had the opportunity to explain the clean fast to Jonathan, which may explain why he didn't enjoy his prior experiences with fasting. Search for Zoe Science and Nutrition on your podcast player or on YouTube to hear the latest episode, and don't forget to look for the April 11th episode to hear me, Tim, and Jonathan talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study. Exactly. Because the cell doesn't know, you know, is this person 
staggering through a field in Africa and, you know, may not find food again for days or, you know, they don't know what's going on. So the cool thing about it is that we can think of nutritional deprivation as a stress, mm-hmm. right? It's a form of stress. There's not enough energy coming in and that's a stress on the cell and the cell has to clean its act up. But that's not the only one. What's really cool is that you can think of a number of paths converging and resulting in the same thing. So we're finding exercise works in a very similar manner. We're finding that a number of the phytonutrients in plants, the polyphenols in berries and phycetin in strawberry and lignans in flax and, you know, all of these, they act as mild stressants. Classically, everybody waved their hands and said, oh, they're antioxidants. They're all antioxidants. Well, no, many of them aren't antioxidants. (laughs) They do lots of other things, and we don't even know what they all do. Exactly. (laughs) But what, what they do seem to do is they act as minor stresses to the cell. A hot therapy like saunas, cold therapy like ice baths. All these things, we're finding that there are just dozens. There are people who go down to the bottom of mine shafts to get exposure to low doses of radiation. Oh, wow. For the same reason. <laughs> and see, that's important, though, the fact that it's low stresses and that we need them. Exactly. The low stresses challenge us and make us stronger. Exactly. Well, I think you're getting at a really crucial point that that dose response only lasts for a while. When uh, the stress becomes too great, it's no longer beneficial. Right. So we call those hormetic stresses, right? Exactly. It's this process called hormesis, that at low doses, you have this U-shaped curve. So that at low doses, the negative effect actually decreases, but at higher concentrations, then the negative effect increases again. And so, yeah, it's a lot of these little things, you know, it kind of makes you think of the old adage, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. It's so true. It it, it really is. So, (laughs) you know, walking in the cold, as long as you don't get frostbite, is good for you. But if you get frostbite, that's too much stress. Sitting in a, a sauna for a while is a good stress. Staying there until you pass out in a coma is too much. So a lot of it just comes down to common sense. And I think our grandparents probably would have laughed at us like, really? You guys need somebody to tell you to do these things? Yeah, but there's a whole train of thought right now and like books published about foods not to eat because they're like toxic plants. I won't say the name of the book, but you probably know what I'm talking about. The book that's been so popular and and it's like, don't eat any plants because they... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they want to kill you, right? <laughs> well, uh, yeah, uh, there's a, a lot of literature out there that's poorly researched. And I guess everybody wants something easy, right? Right. Just, uh, it, it'd be great if, if I could avoid broccoli. Yeah, I just avoid <laughs> broccoli and I'm going to be healthy the rest of my life. It's not quite that easy. We have to work to maintain a close to normal weight. We need to learn to be uncomfortable. And, you know, that's one of the things that we're finding that this notion of comfort that modern life really pushes us toward being in a 70 degree bubble, you know, with Doritos to the right and the Coke to the left and never too hot, never too cold. That's killing us. 
It really is. Mm-hmm. That is such a good point. I, I write that down. Learn. We have to learn to be uncomfortable because that's really where the magic happens and our bodies need to respond to the stresses, the mild stress. It's just like we know with exercise. You know, if you exercise, we have the next day you're a little sore. Yeah. But you don't want to be like, can't get out of bed sore. You want to be just the right amount. You don't want to do too much exercise, but you need to do enough. You got to find your sweet spot. That's exactly right. I think... No matter what your belief system is, whether you believe there's God who created all this or it all evolved through evolution, one way or another, we are made. The result is that we're designed to move great distances, to travel, to expand all over the earth, to look for new hunting sites, to migrate periodically. And we're not made just to sit around and eat cookies. And we, when we do that, that's no longer normal. Unfortunately, our society considers that normal and being fit as something special when normal should be being fit. That's, you're right. That's mm-hmm. normal. And what we have in, in our societies is abnormal, and we see it in the rates of everything from cancer to diabetes and dementia. Well, it's true. I told you before we started when I introduced myself to you, you know, I lost over 80 pounds back in 2014, 2015. I was obese. And, you know, I'm a smart person. I have a doctorate in gifted education. I have a master's degree in natural sciences. I taught, you know, school. I taught gifted kids. I was struggling. I struggled for so many years with my weight, even though, like I said, I'm, I'm a smart person. I, I read everything I could get my hands on. And, I had such a hard time figuring it out. And really, a lot of it is the modern food climate, the ultra-processed food. And I was gravitating towards all of that and just yo-yoing for years. And thank goodness for intermittent fasting. Ever since I lost the weight, it's, <laughs> I've been able to keep it off. <laughs> well, you're, you're exactly right. I think one thing that's become clear is that dieting is evil. It really is. It never, ever, if you hear the word diet come out of your mouth, Really, really second-guess yourself. It implies that you're trying to make some short-term change, hoping that you'll achieve some short-term objective. Most people hope that they'll achieve a long-term objective just with some short-term change. It doesn't work. No, it doesn't. And one thing that's like fingernails on a chalkboard to me is when someone says, oh, the intermittent fasting diet. I'm like, no. Uh, (laughs) A diet is what you eat. Intermittent fasting is when you eat. You can eat the foods that you want. It's, you know, any dietary approach will fit into your intermittent fasting paradigm. But, you know, the research shows the the best predictor of future weight gain is having been on a diet or something. I don't know. I'm paraphrasing it. but (laughs) Yeah, I totally believe it. And I I react uh, exactly the same way. And I just recommend to people, think of this as something you're going to do the rest of your life. You need to try to exercise the rest of your life. You need to try to eat lots of healthy plants the rest of your life. You need to try to find ways to chill out and just relax the rest of your life. You need to limit the periods during which you eat food the rest of your life. Yeah. Pick a window and say, outside of that window, you know, Special occasions, you know, you, you never want to be too dogmatic about it. Your daughter makes a cookie at nine o'clock at night, eat the freaking cookie and right. go on with, with life. But otherwise, just adopt a pattern and say, this is, uh, this is what I'm doing forever. It's, so the other thing that gets me about diet is that the implication that it's short term too, that it's a short term change. 
Yeah, but intermittent fasting isn't something you hop on, hop off. Although, I mean, you can have periods, you know, of, of different things that you do. But it really is once you adjust to it and you become metabolically flexible and your body knows how to fuel itself during the fast – Really, Mark Matson's the one that taught me about that. Before his 2019 paper, he wrote something about flipping the metabolic switch, I think was the name of it. Are you familiar yep. with that paper? I, I love that paper because when I read it the first time, I was like, I finally got it. You know? Yes. Because <laughs> I'd been, you know, with the keto world all saying, you can only have ketosis if you eat keto. And I'm like, no, that's not true. But when I read that paper that, that Matson put out, and it finally, I was like, oh. <laughs> I, I mean, it makes sense. But, yeah. uh, again, I, I love thinking about things that in evolutionary ancestral sense. Exactly. But our ancestors, hey, if we come across a patch of blueberries, let's go fill up on blueberries, right? Or mm-hmm. you know, if we find an apple tree, yeah, hell yeah. Absolutely. Let's go into sugar burning and enjoy ourselves, and that's great. But back then, those were rare events. But it was it was important to be able to make that switch, that flip that metabolic switch. And I think that's what Matson really does emphasize. That you want that flexibility. You don't want to be in ketosis all the time and you don't want to be out of ketosis all the time. Ideally, every day you're flipping that switch. You want to be metabolically flexible because that's how we're really designed to be. That's and you are. feel so good. You do. <laughs> so when you said you went back to school in 2010 and learned all that, when did you actually start intermittent fasting? What year did you actually start doing it? Oh, let's say it was maybe 2015. Okay. Yeah. It took a few years before I got through to that point to learn. And what pattern do you do now? Like, how do you how do you structure your day? I, I, I get the feeling you're a time-restricted eater. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, it varies. One of the things I love about intermittent fasting, I stay in a pretty narrow weight range now, but I notice if I'm bumping up against the upper end of where I'm comfortable, then I just say, okay, I'm going to fast a couple. I'm going to in- decrease my eating window. Yep. That's exactly what I do. I don't even weigh anymore. I haven't weighed for years. And I just, I've got my honesty pants on right now. <laughs> yeah, you, you can feel it. You don't yeah. have to weigh yourself. No, and you just fast a little longer for a while. And My normal pattern is 16-8. Okay. So generally, I uh, eat eight hours and eat roughly between 10 and 6. And then fast for 16 hours. And that's pretty easy. I get up, have a cup of coffee. I kind of forget about it. You know, sometimes yeah. sometimes it accidentally turns into 18 hours because I got busy and, you know, just didn't get around to it. But then if I want to lose a few pounds, then I'll make it 18 hours and eat a little bit cleaner. Maybe have a fruit bar after dinner instead of ice cream or something. And boy, it's just amazing how within a few days, your body just automatically goes back to the previous set point. It really is. It really is. You know, for me, that's what feels like such a miracle because I was such a yo-yo dieter. You know, I had clothes at one time. I had clothes in my closet in 2014. (laughs) I had everything from size 4 up to size 18. (laughs) 4, 6, 8, 10, 12. I mean, I had all of them. Uh, You're you're not alone. I knew a lady who who divided her closet into small, medium, and large. Yeah, I had bins that said, like, too small or too big. And I would just move things and put them in the attic and (laughs) get them back down. And, you know, I I was getting into the small ones less and less frequently as I was yo-yoing up. And Yeah, well, that's what happened, sadly. 
But it hasn't happened to me since 2015. I've been in the same range and had the same clothes. And now I only get rid of clothes because they're out of style. <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> it does happen. Did you ever really need to lose a lot of weight or have you always been a healthy weight? There were years, I think, in my mid-40s when I got a little bit perky. And then I could stand to, to lose 10 or 15 pounds. But then I got what I thought was in pretty good shape. I thought I was a pretty lean, mean, like 165 pound guy and I'm 5'9". So that seemed pretty good. And then I started intermittent fasting. And at one point I got a little bit worried because I dropped (laughs) down to 150 and uh, thought I got to eat more. And that is the answer, you know, that if shorten your window, just like we were talking about, you need to lose a few extra pounds. You get to a point where you think, or people are telling you, hey, dude, You look a little bit emaciated there. It's pretty easy to just increase that window. And yeah, it just makes it such a a wonderful way to keep your weight in a relatively narrow range. Yeah, my husband never needed to lose any weight. He was still wearing the same pants that he wore like the day we got married. We've been married for 30 years. We just celebrated our 30th anniversary. But he started intermittent fasting. He has a PhD in medicinal chemistry, so he's very interested in all things science. And, of course, he's way down the the other end of the the field from the bio side. He's the chemistry side. But he started doing it, and he's very much like you. He'll have lunch. He waits a little longer. He'll usually open his window around 11 or 12. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. You, know, you you find what works for you, what lets you maintain the sort of weight that you're you're happy with, and it's a pretty easy thing to experiment. And then just to adjust, inevitably, you hit a couple weddings, a couple weekends in a row, and you go, oh, God, I think I need to fast a little bit more. Yeah, my pants are a little tight, a little snug. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but it's easy. It really is. It's not painful. It doesn't mean that you have to go on some ungodly soup-only diet or something stupid like that. Still have, you know, the foods that you enjoy. So for me, it's the first sort of lifestyle approach like that that I found that was easy to adopt. I come from deep in the hills of southeastern Kentucky. So okay. deep Appalachia, you know, cars up on cinder blocks. And- oh, I grew up in the um, mountains of Virginia. Okay, I so can hear the accent. You hear, I'm in Georgia now, <laughs> but I've got a lot of Georgia in me now. But I grew up in the Appalachian region of Virginia near like Bedford County, Lynchburg area, Peaks of Otter. I don't know if you're familiar with that part at all, but it was, we had neighbors that did not have indoor plumbing. This is in the 70s. I grew up in the 70s. They did not have indoor plumbing and they had like an outhouse. That was what they used. Yeah, it's still in that part of the country. It's an interesting place. If you go down there, food is such an important part of their tradition. So where I grew up, uh, biscuits with sausage gravy. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, had it every morning for breakfast. You know, you'd be shot if you suggested otherwise. <laughs> you know, fried chicken, mashed potatoes, and, and green beans, too. So, you know, there's some... Uh, That's a green vegetable. <laughs> yes. But, but the point, especially now, though, with fast food and everything, and the fact that people don't have to work as hard. You know, they used to... When you used to work on the farm out in the field all day, then you needed 5,000 calories a day. Right. You needed a lot of fuel because you were using a lot of fuel. Absolutely. But we don't anymore. And unfortunately, people want to eat 
kind of follow the same traditions. And so anyways, I've tried through the years to talk to some of my relatives down there who have type 2 diabetes, you know, and other problems and never worked to tell them stop eating something. They don't want to hear it. I've got family members like that as well. And close family members with type 2 diabetes and kidney disease. And they just are like, nope. Of course, you know, it doesn't help that it's me telling it to them, you know. <laughs> it doesn't help for anybody. It doesn't help for a doctor because then they mm-hmm. feel like That's well, they, true. Don't, they don't understand our ways. You know, they don't understand why it's important to sit down with your family and have a nice biscuit and gravy dinner. But what I did have some success with was saying, tell you what, eat that biscuit and gravy dinner or maybe don't eat that until 10 o'clock right? Eat your fried chicken at six o'clock. Try to get as many green beans in there as you, uh, as you can. And then have that biscuit and knock yourself out on the biscuit and gravy, but do it at 10 or 11 o'clock. And they go, oh, really? That's all I have to do? It's like, yeah, I can do that. As long as you're not telling me that I can't eat it, yeah, and and so I love it because it's something that is very easy for people to understand and to incorporate into their lives very quickly. That was the first thing that brought me into it that really drew me in was the whole idea. And, you know, my first book that I wrote, I wrote it at the end of 2016, was called Delay, Don't Deny. Uh-huh. And that, to me, is the whole magic of intermittent fasting. You just, you know, just like you were saying, delay your biscuits just a little bit. You know, and then you don't have to deny yourself the biscuits. What's so funny is how much your tastes change over time, and then you don't want the biscuit anymore. <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, or maybe you want some watermelon before you have that biscuit or, or after. You know, so it, I think medical science is now recognizing that there are ways that we can give people positive things to do. And that's another great example. Eat the biscuits and gravy. Enjoy it. Maybe be moderate about it as much as you can. But then, you know, eat an apple afterwards. Instead of a slice of apple pie, eat an apple. Try to get five, what we really push uh, through our apps is, you know, five servings of healthy plants in your body. We don't try to tell you to become vegan or vegetarian right. because that's, <laughs> that's just not going to work. But any of us, you know, no matter how much we love meat and pizza or anything else, it is possible to get five servings of healthy plants, especially when those incorporate things like almonds and olive oil and, God, things that I love. You know, it's it's really not much of a hardship at all. It's, it's actually no hardship. No, so you eat all the things. Yeah. Yeah. So I eat stuff I, I shouldn't eat. But then I do try to follow that guidance of five. I made some oatmeal earlier, and I put in two tablespoons of ground flaxseed. That's Two out of my five, right yeah. there, full of lignin. Oh, and I put some strawberries on. So it was three out of three out of my five for the day. Just right there in that oatmeal. Yeah, I tell you, if I make a, I love a smoothie where I put in a banana and strawberry and a bunch of baby spinach, some flax, and I can get my five just right there. Oh yeah, I love smoothies. Love oh, them too. We have there's a way. company called Daily Harvest. They actually sponsor my podcast. Are you familiar with Daily Harvest? Yeah, yeah. They're amazing. They're smooth. Have you tried their smoothies? I don't think I have. I need to. You should try them. <laughs> Cuz I, you know, I I like to cook dinner every night. My family, my husband, my son is actually here right now, so we we eat together as a family at night. But 
because I'm cooking dinner, I don't want to have to fool around with a bunch of other things. So, you know, when I open my window, I might want something quick. Or when we're having, like after dinner, we might have one daily harvest smoothie and it comes frozen and you just throw it in the blender and you're not having to fool with all that. But it is like the ingredients are fantastic. It's just plants. Yeah. I mean, that's it. They only put the plants in there. It's just an easy way to get, mm -hmm. you know, probably three or four servings of healthy plants right there. Mm-hmm. I love them. Like they, they have a lot of kale in there, and they'll put chickpeas and stuff. And you don't even know that because it tastes like you know vanilla cookie or something. Yeah. <laughs> it would, sounds crazy. Yeah, no, but... <laughs> no, no, no. I, I didn't believe it that I could put in spinach because I don't like spinach. But the baby spinach in a like a strawberry banana smoothie, you can't even taste it. You really can't. And so now I put in a gob of of, mm-hmm. uh, of it. So yeah, it's just not that hard to do. It's really not that hard to get. 20 minutes of decent exercise. You don't need to belong to a gym. You don't have to have expensive exercise equipment. I mean, you can just do push-ups leaning against the wall. Yeah. I actually did some push-ups in the shower the other day. I don't know why. Uh, I was like, oh, no. I leaned up against the wall. Yeah. Just throw them in there. Absolutely. And so if you've got a little, and we try to give you a list in the app to reduce it, to make it that simple. Say do, we may not see in the shower, but we say do (laughs) do 15 wall push-ups. It's fine if it's in the shower. That's probably even better. It was easy. (laughs) While you're watching TV, have a little step stool there and spend 15 minutes just stepping up and down on the stool. I have a, a rebounder behind my couch. And so I jump on that rebounder. Our, our chief medical officer, Shayla, which she's moved to recently, is a treadmill desk. Okay. And so mm-hmm. she tre- sets the treadmill at the lowest possible th- speed, so like three miles an hour. And she says she gets in like an extra 10,000 steps a day. She's seen her resting heart rate drop oh, that's greatly, awesome. her heart rate variability increase. So I'm, I'm going to try that one. She says that it's been really uh, beneficial for those you know, heart biomarkers. Well, you, you know, you've got the data. You can tell. Yep, you really can. So the, the point being that the very easy ways, we don't have to spend two hours a day. I think a lot of people get worried that to be fit, to be healthy is some big time commitment that they just can't work into their busy lives. First of all, they have to realize God, it's so important. You got to move. It'll make such a big difference later on. You know, maybe you can get by with it now, but in 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, you're going to reduce your risk of cancer, diabetes, you know, all sorts of nasty conditions. And it's just worth it to make that small investment every day. And they're just excuses. Anybody can do it at any time. There are exercises we could be doing here while we're sitting, right? And so none of us really have much of a valid excuse, or at least very few of us. Yeah, we got to keep moving. Is that an aura ring on your finger? Oh, it is. I knew it. Yeah. (laughs) I was watching. I was like, I think that's an aura. I don't have one because I don't like to wear, like, I'll have a little tiny ring that I wear. I don't like to wear big rings on my finger, but I just really want one for all the, the data. Yeah, it's a little bit of a mixed bag, to be honest. I love their sleep tracking. I wish they had access. I, uh, for instance, the mobile app doesn't give me my instantaneous heart rate. 
Okay. So if I'm worried that I'm doing a you know big hike or a mountain climb and worried that you know I'm going to pass out because my heart rate is up uh, too high, unfortunately, if when I had a Fitbit, I was able to see my instantaneous heart rate. This will give me my resting heart rate, so it's really nice to see how my fitness has changed over time. And I use it. I at least used to have a lot of sleep problems. I'm in a good place right now, knock on wood. But it's fun to see what Aura, how well Aura thinks I slept during the night. So what did you do to work on those sleep problems? Did you do anything specific? Because that's something, when I went through, I just went through menopause in the past year-ish. And, you know, it's it's amazing how your body changes hormonally with all that. And so just my sleep suffered. Yeah, I think it's different for everybody. It's very common as people get my age for them to uh, suffer from sleep problems. So I started taking melatonin. I would do things and they would all help a little bit. A lot of mine was related to some nocturnal leg pain. I don't know if it's restless leg. I haven't gotten an official diagnosis, but did have a doctor who gave me gabapentin. And that quieted my legs enough that at least I'm not waking up in the middle of the night with my legs in spasm. I, I was previously. I used to suffer. Well, I, I do sometimes. I used to not understand why I had restless legs, but I have now figured out it's related to sugar for me. Ah, when me. I eat, mm-hmm, thank goodness to intermittent fasting, I've figured it out. I can have sugar, but if I overdo the sugar for my body, I'll have restless legs. Interesting. Wow. So see if you can find a connection there. Start yeah, I will. I had not thought of that one. <laughs> I've started taking magnesium. Yeah, I, I that's helped magnesium. A, a little yep. bit. But I, I always had it like through my adult life, and I never knew why. And then I finally made that connection with intermittent fasting. It's like, That's oh, interesting. it's when I'm I gonna, have more sugar. I'm going to pay attention now. See if that see <laughs> So if I don't that eat too it. much, but I, I, I do indulge from time to time. So I'll keep an eye out. And it's you know, like the, the smoothie that I was talking about. That doesn't bother me. But it's when I have like, like if I have like cake, <laughs> I'm going to have restless legs <laughs> from cake. <laughs> yeah, I, very interesting. Yeah, just see see if that makes a difference. Yeah. So let's talk about your app a little bit. You know, sure. A little bit about me. I'm no longer on Facebook. I just left Facebook completely in March of this year. I, I was like, goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I had been on there. It had been my life. I started my first intermittent fasting support group in the fall of 2015, right after I was cementing it as a lifestyle. I'd hit my goal weight. So I started a little group just for me and my friends, right, in 2015. And the day I left, we had almost 500,000 members combined Wow! in my groups. So it, you can see it really took over my life. And <laughs> that's one reason that I left. But one very popular topic in the intermittent fasting community that people would ask about 47 million times a day is fasting apps. Everybody wants to talk about fasting apps. So tell us about yours and how you developed it and why you developed it. You know, because I told you before we started, my son actually made an app for me back in 2016. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah very he's cool. The window app that he's no longer affiliated with, and, and we no longer endorse it because they changed a lot about it. But what made you decide to get into the fasting app world? <laughs> well, I, I found myself interacting a lot with some of my kids some of my relatives down in Kentucky, we were texting each other, you know, oh, I just started. And then some people said, well, let's do it at the same time. You know, let's coordinate it. And, you know, that's difficult to do with just text. I looked at zero, which was around, but it really didn't have any social capabilities, especially at that time. And so 
I went to my team and I said, I want to build an intermittent fasting app. And they looked at me like I was crazy. What? Yes. <laughs> What's that got to do <laughs> with our business? And that was 2018? Yeah, yeah. And, and people were, it was really not everywhere at that point. No, it wasn't. It just seemed a little bit of uh, voodoo to them. And it just didn't seem to have much of a relevant connection to our business. And so I made up the flimsy excuse. I said, look, you know, maybe we'll get four or 5,000 people who will use this little free app. And we're going to design the app to use our uh, cloud platform for the whole back end for account management, data management, and everything. So it'll be some load testing, some free load testing that we get from real world users. And that's valuable. I mean, there's some value to that. Here's what's so funny this you wanted an app for yourself. I wanted yes. an app for myself. So <laughs> and we manipulated other people. To the get people what around we us. Cal, you're home from vacation. Make me an app. I mean, he did. He worked on it around the clock till that yeah. app was ready. <laughs> yeah, then right. he's like, I'm going to put it in the app store and I'm going to sell it. I'm like, whatever. I don't care because I just wanted it for me. <laughs> well, I, uh, really, that's what I wanted. I wanted something for me and my family. And so we designed the app so that it had a very strong social capability so that we, we started off with the, the notion of both private and public circles. So I could create a private circle, invite my kids, and nobody else can join. And, you know, we can have almost a Facebook or Instagram type experience around fasting where there's a little feed, you know, we can post pictures, we can make comments, we can encourage, we can tease or whatever it, it might be. And then we decided to offer a public version of that so that people could create say a celebrity or personal trainer or some influencer could create a public circle and then just announce it. And people could, anybody with a link could join that public circle. There'd be a discussion forum there. The circle organizer could post interesting content and even interact one-on-one with members of the, the circle. Most recently, we added a subscription capability so the circle owner can require a subscription fee and say, hey, come join my circle. Very cool. Yeah, it costs 10 bucks a month, but here's what I'll provide. I will give you some degree of personalized guidance. I will give you, you know, original content, recipes, you know, whatever it is. And so, yeah, it's been really fascinating. We had, we saw jump a couple weeks ago, like 2,000 users in the Philippines because some influencer had created a, a circle in the the Philippines and invited people and now there's a Isn't that funny how that happens? It's amazing. Like you didn't even know. Like I woke up one Sunday to two messages from friends. They're like, hey, someone's on TikTok talking about your book. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, that's fun. I mean, you know, whatever. Then the next day I woke up and my book was number four of all books on Amazon. Oh uh, yeah, TikTok. I mean, all books. Yeah, I'm like, what is happening? But but you know, just you just see it happen. Uh, TikTok like that. pretty powerful stuff. So yeah, we we wrote that the original fasting app, and it did so well that we decided we want to do a more general app. So the first app was app was called Life, and the second app app we called Life Extend, and it incorporates fasting as one of five behavioral pillars. And the others are, I think, pretty obvious. Nutrition, exercise, sleep, and mindfulness. 
And we, we really tried to gamify it to guide people toward getting 2,000 points in each of those categories. 2,000 points for nutrition is five servings of okay. healthy plants a day. 2,000 points of exercise is... I think it's 30 minutes of some form of exercise every day. So yeah, you know, really trying to go beyond fasting to point people toward these other behaviors that especially in conjunction with fasting are unbelievably powerful. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and t-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash Wondery and use code Wondery for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash Wondery. Code Wondery. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now... New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Absolutely. And once you start intermittent fasting and you feel so great, you don't want to quit. No, no, I, I have no intention. It's something I'll be doing the rest of my life. You know, and I know people are want to work on a pill that'll replicate the benefits of intermittent fasting. I've studied the molecular biology pathways. It's not going to be that easy. Uh, you, no. you can you can replicate some of the benefits. I mean, you get some of the benefits by eating blueberries or drinking a cup of coffee. Exactly. But if you really want the full benefits, you got to do it. There's just no magic. And it's free. It's easy. It's actually pleasant. So I just don't see why I would want to pay some pharmaceutical company money for a pill when I can do it myself for free. That's what I think, too. And and who knows what weird side effects the pill could have also. You know, there's nothing. There's no free pill, right, that, that doesn't no. have some sort of downside no. possible. Well, and so, so we offered that this new Life Extend app, and then kind of the newest things, we've worked with a number of leading clinicians around the country to build a 13-month health improvement program through that app. So it shows up each day in the form of just a to-do list. Today, we want you to fast for 16 hours. We want you to try to explore healthy oils like olive oil to replace some of your your bad oils. We want you to minimize your consumption of sugary drinks, say. So we lead people through metabolic month, cardiovascular month, and we have wonderful clinicians who curate the content for those months. Mary Crowell, who's an endocrinologist, uh, Harvard-trained endocrinologist who's practicing up on the East Coast, is our curator for metabolic months. So it's just been really cool. We'll launch that January 1st, and it's meant to be kind of a successor to Noom, you know, that goes far beyond weight loss to encompass, you know, all these other aspects of health. It sounds amazing. 
And what's that called again? It's going to be called Life Ascent, A-S-C-E-N-T. And then we've wrapped this whole into a corporate wellness program because, you know, once we had these components, we thought, well, crap, you know, this beats any wellness program that's ever been designed. And so uh, we've launched that. That's called Precision Wellness and it's doing very, uh, very well for us. It's just fun to see people discover these things and see how they can improve their health and, and reduce their healthcare cost. Yep, yep. And and the goal is that we're going to live healthy, longer lives because all these things working together, you know, I, those five pillars that you talked about, intermittent fasting is one of them. It's not the only one. It doesn't stand alone. You have to sleep well. You know, you have to put nutrients in your body. You know, that was what I fought for a long time because I was I was raised in the era of take a vitamin pill. I swear that's what my teacher said. I swear they just said, you can get vegetables or you get your vitamins from fruits and vegetables. And I'm like, or I could just chew this Flintstone. Right? <laughs> no, it doesn't work that way. No, no. Uh, sadly not. It's better to go back uh, right to the original source. We got to eat the fruits and the vegetables and then you know, move your body. They're not that bad. Yeah. They're really not that bad. They're not. Once you get used to them. See, that was the whole thing. Once I started drinking black coffee, maybe the switch from my you know hot milkshake that i used to enjoy oh boy and then made the switch to black coffee i really think that the bitterness you know my, my taste buds adapted they do and then i was able to tolerate vegetables it is really strange isn't it i think it changes your microbiome and in the process it changes those tastes and you want a nice green salad you want some nice plants you know you start to crave that Beets. so that's yeah <laughs> that's such a, a wonderful thing i just haven't found a downside no are you familiar with tim specter dr tim specter out of the uk no i'm not he's the guy behind the british gut project uh-huh and they'd done a lot of twin studies and you know the American gut project that was going on in the United States that was kind of worked along with with his work but he's along with Mark Matson he's my other favorite scientist <laughs> other than my husband I do have to say that <laughs> yeah look up Dr. Tim Spector's work he's doing a lot they're doing a lot with personalized nutrition you would probably love it if you look uh, up it's, Zoe it's he's, like he's had some stuff published recently in Nature you know where they're looking at the interplay between your gut microbiome and your genetics but also like wearing a cgm and using that data and tracking what you're eating to see what foods really work well for your body Uh, there zoe is the name of their company but you would really be interested in all of that that he's doing some good work the whole idea that our bodies are different yeah that we carry along you know all these bacterial passengers that outnumber us greatly outnumber our cells 10 to 1 so, yeah, we're just, just starting to recognize the importance. Because really, they just only have been able to sequence the inhabitants of our gut microbiome within the past yeah, we're still learning. decade-ish. Yeah, we're still learning as we go. So, But what we eat makes a huge difference. You can see it in the composition of the gut microbiota. You really can. And it's the plants. It comes back to it those is. plants again, which is why, again, I cringe when I... <laughs> hear someone say no you should not eat plants they're they have toxins they're bad for you i'm like no that <laughs> your body needs that little bit don't of eat poison ivy and you'll be fine right yeah or like foxglove right uh. <laughs> don't eat that so right now people can find the life fasting app and they can find the the life ascent is coming later yeah the life ascent they'll get notified about it but the life fasting app 
or the two apps, Life Fasting and Life Extend, are in the, both uh, the iOS and Android app stores. And then they can go to our website if they like and uh, check out the information about the wellness program. Okay. And what website is that? How do they find your website? They can just go to lifeomic.com. Okay. Lifeomic.com. All right. Well, Don, I always end the show with the same question. And so I'm going to ask you, what would you tell someone just starting out with intermittent fasting? Or what do you wish you knew when you first started? Well, for me, I just wish I'd found out a lot earlier. Although, you know, to be fair, the research really has come together only in the last few years. I I could have started a couple of years earlier, and that certainly would have been nice. You know, the, the main advice I give to people is just go slow. There's no reason. What, what you don't want to do is, you know, what people do with physical training. They go into the gym, they lift a bunch, you know, they think they're hell on wheels, and then the next day they can't move. And then they're never in the gym again, you know, because it was such a painful <laughs> process. But there's just no reason for it. You know, so with intermittent fasting, just go slow. The first step is trying to avoid snacking after dinner. That's a huge one. And that was probably the hardest one for me. I had a tradition from my kids used to joke about it. I would eat a bowl of cereal before going to bed, you know, for 50 years. My husband would have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Yeah, I, I think had. many of us He thought were, he needed it to sleep, right? Did you think that too? I did. I did. Yeah. And that was tough. I gave that up and it was like, okay, well, that actually wasn't all that bad. I feel better. Right. And then, you know, just go for a 12-hour fast. A 12-hour fast, I think, is a great place. If that's all you ever do is 12-hour fasting, you'll be far better off than most people are today. And then from there, as you were talking about, it's pretty easy wait a little bit longer for breakfast or have dinner a little bit earlier, whichever direction you want to do it, and just extend that fasting window to try to get up to maybe 16 hours. And then you're really at a point where that's what I do most days. Although, as we were saying, if I gain a little weight, I'll move up to 18 hours. And then I do try twice a week to do a a more extended fast. I always talk to my doctor before uh, doing that make sure I've got the clearance, but then I'll do kind of Walter Longo's five-day fast. Twice a year, twice a year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm 65, so I try to do that a couple times a year and most importantly, rebalance my uh, immune system. So yeah, that's it works. Uh, that's all I can say. There's tremendous evidence. It does. Well, thank you so much for being here, Don. We've really enjoyed having you. My pleasure. Do you have an intermittent fasting story to tell? Email me at jen at intermittentfastingstories.com and I'll add you to the lineup. That's G-I-N at intermittentfastingstories.com. The world wants to hear your story. That's it for today. Remember, I may have a doctorate, but I'm not a medical doctor. So don't use anything you hear on this podcast as a substitute for medical advice please always check with your doctor or healthcare provider if you have medical questions. I'll talk to you next week, Fasting Family, where we will hear another inspiring story. Have a great week and fast on. Intermittent Fasting Stories is edited, mixed, and mastered by Resonate Recordings. To learn more, visit them at resonaterecordings.com or email them at hello at resonaterecordings.com. 
Intermittent Fasting Stories listeners will receive a free offer if you mention that you heard it on the podcast. In the climate-ravaged year of 2072, the city of Pura stands as a miraculous green haven, a geoengineered paradise that protects fortunate residents from the global catastrophes of heat domes, fires, floods, and droughts. Demetria Lopez heads up Pura's public relations, tirelessly promoting the city's idyllic image. But when she stumbles upon a dark secret that, if exposed, would be the downfall of Pura's existence, she must decide who and what she is willing to protect. From Wondery, the makers of Academy and Dr. Death, The Last City stars actors Reyes Seahorn, Jeannie Tirado, and Maury Sterling. Follow The Last City on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of The Last City early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus.